Good morning, Andrew Drummond here with Ski the Whites. I guess I should properly introduce myself. This finally got launched on um, Spotify, submitted to Apple. So this podcast is technically official now. It's not just SoundCloud. I'm joined with Frank Karras, lead snow ranger, director at the Avalanche, um, Mount Washington Avalanche Center. And this is our, you know, our ongoing weekly podcast, something that we're trying to do as uh, the forecasts happen or if there's relevant information to get through to the public as part of um, yeah, public outreach. Morning, Frank. Morning, Andrew. How you doing? I'm doing well. We are in the parking lot here in front of the Pinkham Notch AMC Visitor Center. We got, uh, you know, things keep evolving as the COVID-19 um, issue continues to evolve as well. We've got barricades here and this is the first weekend of the the parking lot closure something that we were hinting at last weekend was imminent when we were up at hojo's watching um you, you counted you know the, the the official unofficial word was 400 yeah yeah visitors were up um were here a little conservative i think it might have been a little closer to 450 and that doesn't include whoever was at golf slides that day so yeah we we that was a much better day though it was it was kind of scary it hadn't uh you know this whole thing has settled on us at different rates and i think um i feel like snow rangers we were a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of some of the folks in the community at, at what was coming at us and i think that day was uh just a recognition that wow n- not even backcountry skiing is really gonna work like it's not not really an appropriate um, activity in the backcountry, you know. After the one rescue, and we were put in a decision of, uh, or I was put in a point of making a decision of which snow ranger um, do I put motor- most at risk? Like someone needs to make contact with this person. Who's it going to be? And you know, there's four of us, and and each of us have families. Some of us have spouses working in healthcare. Um, and you know, that's just not a decision that I want to put my guys in and certainly not a decision I wanted to put our ski patrollers or the, uh, anyone in the, in the rescue community into. So it really became, uh, you know, I, I, I came about quickly, um, that day from feeling like, yeah, I'd be psyched to go ski by myself to recognizing this this can't be about me like this is about the greater good and um i need to consider with my own actions potential outcomes and and not try and give myself some wiggle room where i think it's okay just because i'm nearby or local or at work um you know i still have to buy gas on the way and you know there is some a lot of evidence about aerosol transmission and um you know there's not many times, not many events in the world where the action that's required of your ordinary citizen is to sit and do nothing. Um, but, but now is that time. Um, this is that war. Uh, we're not asking anyone to go sign up for the military. We're asking people to be good with themselves at home and uh, just be quiet for a while and um, make some significant adjustments feel the same way it's we if you go back someone actually made a comment back in early march like they listened back and her, they're like it's amazing how um you know covid19 wasn't even really 
in the discussion and, and was this something like I I couldn't imagine shutting down Tucker Ravine. Yeah. And it certainly wasn't on my mind or I was like, no way. Like there's no way we're yeah. gonna shut down no, Tucker me either. Ravine. Me either. I mean I was lobbying you know, geez, seems like a lifetime ago, but I guess it was three weeks ago as the AMC was closing facilities, I was you know, worried about having bathrooms open so people weren't pooping up in the color, you know, and I think it was a couple days after that I talked to my friend who was sick in Seattle, who's, you know, they're easily three weeks ahead of us with this. Um, patient zero in this country was from Seattle, you know, and he's just like, man, it's going to get a lot weirder um, and listen to his illness play out and the isolation in his own house that he was having to go through and the potential exposure to his wife and kids and the fact that two of his friends were much more seriously ill than him. Um, it just really struck a chord and, um, you know, it was real. It was like, I don't know, seeing the news reel of the dive bombers in Pearl Harbor, right? Like it's, it's not a hoax anymore. Like, it's uh it's 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 real and it's now and the time for inaction is is now really and when i say inaction like i'm thinking of most of us the people just as a sidebar like the things that we're asking people to do the essential workers go into their jobs and being face to face with folks at the local grocery store and um God knows the EMT folks on the front lines going into people's houses and the hospital workers, what they're facing. It's just um, incredible. You know, they're they're being asked to do some heroic things sometimes um, without compensation. They're just being asked to do the right thing for us. And yeah. So let's talk about how we got here from last week. Uh, when we when we met, we were you're talking Sunday is the last day that for the forecast. How and you that you knew that was happening right then, but talk about the lead up, the decision making to close this. You know, it's not easy, not an easy decision to make. What went into yeah. talking to your supervisor boss and then getting yeah. getting the final okay to close the, yeah. the parking lot because clearly that was something that should have been done last weekend, but it takes it, it yeah. some of these things don't happen overnight yeah yeah the one you know the one thing as it was um as last weekend was coming up and it seemed like tuckerman ravine was was gonna be a problem and you know reading folks comments that you know our instagram posts and our advisories are really just enabling this sort of behavior um that was that was making a an impact on on me as well and recognizing that like people's you know people there's a risk to the, to the rescuers are gonna we're gonna ask um to to perform rescues we had to ask the ski patrol to um stay home and then the rescuers you know us in general we had to or the as snow rangers you know we needed to make these decisions to expose ourselves all for in case someone got ha hurt just going skiing, you know, and the essentialness of the activity became really the point. And, you know, um, so that, that, 
led me to do the only thing that I could do, which is weigh that risk of not having a forecast out to the public against this pandemic, this much larger issue. So, um, you know, we as the Snow Ranger team decided that it was the right thing to do to, to quit forecasting. My only tool for closure at the time um, was to close the lip um, and the tux trail, which, um, you know, that's put in place for the safety of not only the public, but also the rescuers that are asked to go down and fish people out of these crevasse holes, which is a horrifying thing. Having had to participate, I can tell you firsthand that is not something you want to expose a rescuer to. So in this case, it was similar. You know, we, we know we're going to expose our rescuers to potential COVID patients and more importantly, rescuer to rescuer transmission. And, you know, the closure, lip closure was inevitable. In fact, I think the glide crack is probably pretty big at this point after the rain over the week or the warmer weather that we've had and the melting. So I was going to say something about that because it, you can post something and it it's people down and out of the region will take it as face value. They're like, whoa, it looks like it's pretty bare up there, you yeah. know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. using an old photo like that, you know, putting yeah. it out there. And I was I was confused a little bit about that because I'm like, this is an old photo. Is this an old forecast, you know, is this like, are they really closing? Oh, the lip closure, the right. The lip closure. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's that's just a stock photo that we keep on all the hard copies of those closure signs. So I just put that, that a picture of that sign was the tool that I had in, in hand, you know. Um, the, the other thing, uh, the map of that closure, it's so small right over the lip that it just doesn't really give you any context. So I published that. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that as a distraction but yeah um you know we want to be honest about these closures and it's not like we're you know that that risk is yet to emerge though i would say like for anyone thinking of violating these closures and dropping in um you could count that as a as a potential hazard you know as those those slots are going to be open and dropping in without any knowledge of what it looks like at the lip is just a really bad, uh, would be a bad move um, for anybody. Um, not to mention the wet loose activity that someone could see like uh, pretty significant, um, I think, in the back country right now. Yeah, let's, let's dig into that a little bit. For all, you know, I've been pinged a few times about, you know, well, that's just the Cutler River drainage area what you know we can go ski the southern presidentials northern presidentials wherever you know like you can access the mountains if you if you want like there's yeah. no yes there's trails but in the winter time you can you can get into some of these places from anywhere yeah you know that's gonna be a, a decision based on someone's conscience and their willingness to you know defy the governor's stay-at-home request, you know, and getting out, you know, our stance is generally, you know, people don't need to ski to thrive. I know many people, in fact, myself included, I kind of convinced myself, like, I need this for my mental health or to go rock climbing, but the reality is, is there's probably ways to meditate around that problem. You know, you can get physical exercise and and um, get what you need to be healthy in some other way where your roadside or on a dirt road where an ambulance can swing by if you break your ankle. You know, the 
the big thing is that, you know, really good skiers have accidents, you know, just random accidents. We talk about exposure over time. Yeah. And particularly now, late season, hazards are starting to merge, like sticks are starting to poke out and you can catch a tip and break your knee and all these things uh, could could lead to significant trouble. And, you know, you can maybe convince yourself that, well, my party of three can handle this and get me out. Well, maybe, maybe not. Like um, You start getting into really more remote areas when yeah. you get away from some of these hubs. Sure. Like, you know, sp- sprain your knee or twist your knee or something at the bottom of the seven you know with one person like how's that gonna go Not like well. you might you might have a fancy sled that you can build out of your skis but man you are gonna hate it you're gonna hate life and be in pain and possibly cause more damage if you fracture fracture a femur, femur and don't splint it effectively you know and try that you can bleed out you know and i always recommend people be capable of self-rescuing but like don't don't assume that you'll be able to do it um because sometimes it's more help is required. So, you know, those, those are back to your other the other conversation about how um, the closure happened. Um, you know, these rescuer issues and, and worker safety were a big part of the forest decision to close this area. Um, you know, the, the possibility of, of a rescue needing to happen combined with the, the sheer numbers of people that were going to be here has led um, the forest to, to make that decision to close this area. That closure doesn't just happen in a vacuum. It's a hard decision for, you know, our forest supervisor and deputy supervisor, our district ranger. They've got to talk to, you know, they've got to talk it out to make sure that it's in line with policy that comes down from the USDA and the larger forest service. Given all that that had to happen this week to pull this closure off, um, it was an impressive effort to to get this to happen. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some listeners or folks around that are like, well, you know, really wish it didn't happen or I don't know why it needed to happen so soon. But, you know, every expert that's really knows anything about pandemics is if the measures seem extreme they're probably not they're probably not even extreme enough so if you're trying to thread the needle in terms of pandemic um you're behind the curve um if you're just thinking in half measures so we've got community spread going on already in mount washington valley we have people in the hospital positive with it we have at least two families that i know of personally in the greater valley that have it and They've already spread it in the community. So this whole thing of, you know, being transmitted from people without symptoms who aren't sneezing on you, who aren't actively leaking fluids out of their nose, you know, that's a big deal. You know, that's spreading. And these decisions we're making right now, like you might be healthy, but it might actually, you know, it's taken down healthy people and even if it doesn't hurt you in the end, like really asking yourself the hard questions, like is my ability to go participate in this activity worth risking someone's life? 
is, you know, the rescuers catch it and then they give it to somebody at the store or their family and it makes it their, their way to their otherwise healthy 65-year-old grandparent, you know? That's, that's what your, that's the, the ultimate decision, right? Like, is your, is your activity worth risking the life of somebody? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just one angle you're talking about search and rescue um, scenarios, but then there's, you know, there's enough locals here to flood this place. You know, I know that there's a lot of, there's some very vocal locals that don't see, they think that the out-of-towners ruined it for them, but it's still, it's an unnecessary risk. Yeah. It's an non-essential activity. And, you know, you got to not just think of yourself and and think of the big picture. Totally. And And it's really difficult because we as this has evolved, we're like, well, I'm still going to ski to like, okay, I'm definitely done skiing. And that was a really hard, hard decision or hard thing to kind of realize is yeah, that's really done. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. I know it's tough. And I, when they personally, my head started to pivot towards rock climbing and I was looking forward to some skiing, but when they shut Romney down, that was that was a blow <laughs> yeah. for me because well, I was I'd just been going to Romney and enjoying that. T- we'll talk again. about how the closures. Obviously, these are the hot spots. What's preventing them, preventing the whole forest from being shut down? Um, at this point, that is a policy policy decision that's happening um, at a much higher level here than than locally and. There's other regions um, that are closing forests, and um, it needs to be a coordinated effort among other land management agencies. Like, in, um, I was just talking to ex-director here, um, Chris Joson, and those um, land ma- management agencies are struggling because it's a little bit like whack-a-mole. You know, you, you close down one BLM unit, and nobody can fish this one river, and then everyone floods over to the adjacent state park, and starts fishing there and then they're really on top of each other and you know so they've had to really come together and set you know their incident i guess they've i don't know if they have an incident command team or what but they're communicating well and and um they're beyond they're past us obviously you know being adjacent to washington they've got a lot more cases so people are taking it more seriously but obviously people are still congregating and and doing these things and so yeah they've had to do those larger closures which it'll take a more larger it's going to take a larger effort here and my guess is that that's coming too and is that that's going to be you know is that a timeline thing or is it a reactionary thing do there need to be more cases to make it seem more um, imminent or you know like yeah i don't know what the I don't know what the decision algorithm is for that. I would think, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, if I knew that, maybe I could run for office. That is the the, <laughs> but I don't the crystal think I'd ball. Want to. <laughs> well, what is what does it look like? What does your day to day look like here on out? Um, we're sitting here in the parking lot watching, not too many cars, but there's been a few cars come in, pull on, pull a U-turn. The, the parking lot's cl- clearly closed off with signage and this closed on the second today and what day is today i don't know today is the fourth the main thing day to day for us is an enforcement effort and we really felt strongly that um you know this in in order for this closure to work we need a a strong enforcement issue and 
the DOT put signage up to alert people on the on the um, various routes out of Massachusetts, Vermont, southern New Hampshire. So people are seeing this from a distance. I think there was a good effort by our public affairs staff to get um, the closures out to the public and um, you know the the TV and the print news. So I think you know our enforcement issue is it's been very minimal today. You know, um, people stopped here wanting to go to Wildcat. And I think, you know, I think people are beginning to get it is, is my thought as well. Um, you know, they're, they're understanding that it's not really a law shouldn't need to be put in place. You know, it's like, it's about looking out for your, your neighbors, you know? So hopefully that's, what's driving the, the low turnout today. And, um, We'll also be doing some enforcement up in the in all the ravines, and um, we'll be posting signs too for folks that want to skirt around and um, try and try and drop into talks from some other avenue. And you know, I think people should should recognize that there's likely to be not just a ticket but a mandatory court appearance for a, for a you know a fine if somebody. Um, if we do approach somebody. So um, that's straight out of the law enforcement officer's uh, mouth. So um, sad that it's come come that way, but I think we've tried every gentle suggestion, you know, up until this point, and um, this is what, where we're at. And we've gotten great support, I think, from m most of the folks really get this. They're, they understand, they're not pressing it. People are kind of policing themselves on social media and policing policing the other folks involved and um you know there's some trolling going on too i think i don't know about that one guy that who needs to go skiing for his grandpa or something <laughs> it's from instagram I, I think that was a joke post but yeah i feel bad all those people with the streak you know their yearly streaks of getting up here how unprecedented is it to like when was the last time there was a shutdown up here was yeah um i i don't know that there's ever been a full-on shutdown though there were closures during periods of high avalanche danger i'm not sure how that was put into effect i think there were snow rangers you know back in the day that were just stopping people on a late march day when there was you know definitely going to be um, avalanches um the only other closures were were by like hourly closures so they would close tucks back at um the sign we have in our cabin up there says the ravine is closed at 5 30 and the little number is changeable you know i think they changed it by the daylight hours of the spring and that was basically just due to the fact that you know they needed to get pull the ski patrol down and um let people have have dinner and have a night off before the whole shenanigans started <laughs> the next day you know go recharge the batteries in the bullhorn or whatever so this is so this truly is unprecedented you know and i think that's unprecedented stuff happening on on all fronts for sure well i think all the feedback's been really positive and on like you said a lot of this stuff it seems some people think it's too much but it's really like not enough. I think the way the message you're getting across is like this is just a, like kind of the start of yeah. this. 
Um, people need to take it very seriously. I think you guys have done a great job getting the message out. I think this having sitting down for a podcast like this makes a huge difference. You, you, the signs up on 16, people are seeing that, you know, the tux is closed. The resorts are following suit. Hopefully they're all shut down to uphill activity because like you said, you can get people just go from one resort, like what resort is allowing people or is looking the other way right now, Yeah, you know, and then yeah. that's going to flood a bunch of people over to whatever resorts potentially not shut down. And I think people just need to hang up their skis and get that, get that storage coat of wax on them and look for other things to do near their house and yeah. switch seasons. Yeah. Jake, I know Rish, the founder of, or uh, president of Fodor right now is hanging up his kayak as well. You know, it's not, it's not like skiers are the only people that are, making sacrifices driving by the um ellis river you know yesterday it was full flood stage and i know that the kayakers were just suffering knowing that they were missing that but you know folks are doing the right thing on a lot of fronts and just recognizing that there's there's other stuff to do and uh i stopped at the ellis today to look just look at the river you know and um found a bunch of like the, as the snow's melting back all these cans and bottles that are emerging um, i thought well there's a good activity and go for a long you know go for a mega road hike and pick up 30 pounds of recyclables so yeah it's time to be creative all right so if you made it this far in the podcast i think it's a good opportunity to talk about sponsorship and it's not to pay me or to cover the cost of anything associated with it. It's to get money to the Avalanche Center. And I think it's a good opportunity for a business that it might be appropriate or think there's a good fit to get a little um, advertisement out of it. And the money will go straight to the Avalanche Center. For those that don't know, Ski the Whites, we put up some prints as a fundraiser and have already raised close to $2,000. So the first batch of money went towards some technology for the the Hojo's weather tower. We got a cell, um, this little cellular device to help with um, hourly weather data collection. And that Frank's been so busy with this stuff that he hasn't even opened up the box, but I saw it was delivered. So that was a $1,400 purchase, which is going to make a, a great difference in their weather forecasting and just collecting data throughout the winter. Um, you know, other stuff. One thing I'm going to buy Frank is a little portable recording device so that he can do his own thing when I'm not around. If you wanted to record some interviews up, up at the station or just talk to people, or if you know, he's at his house with poor reception and I have poor reception, he can record the, the interview on his end and fire, fire me over the file later. And if, um, yeah, if you just wanted, so the, and then there's Tucker intervene stickers too. So those contribute all the proceeds to that. That's a couple dollars um, that go towards the Avalanche Center as well. And if you just want to contribute some money, send it to at ski the whites on venmo that's an easy way to send a dollar or two that doesn't get dinged with fees and just add a snowflake and write mwac or something and that again goes into the fund that we're putting directly towards purchasing gear for the avalanche center it's a tricky thing to navigate you know getting the forest service money because it is a government entity and um, but we found that there's a ton of needs that we can help with and uh, yeah, so if anyone has any questions, you can email me, andrew at skithewhites.com, and we can get some more information because this podcast moving forward is something that, you know, it's weekly, I think, in the winter, and it should be. 
as the you know in the spring and summertime or as the like right now we're in a weird spot but if we have um, the ability to get content out to talk about some incidents and just keep building up our knowledge base we're going to continue to do that it's something that uh you know this is a medium that a lot of people are using it's great to listen to on your on your drive up so please share it pass along and and submit questions so that's another another good way to, to keep the conversation going and keep people aware of um you know avi safety and hazards and everything happening up here in uh, the presidentials and the white mountains anything else we need to hit on frank no not at all i think um that's all those are good concepts for future podcasts i think um if you hung everything up just a reminder take your batteries out of your beacon and uh maybe consider an end season wax i know a lot of backcountry skiers don't do that i know some of my skis if you are... wax your skis your skins aren't going to stick as well oh, okay <laughs> no. man so finally i started waxing last year after like 10 years my atomics hadn't seen a coat of wax i didn't realize that they won't stick as well yeah never use blue wax <laughs> i figured that out the hard way as okay. well dang I can't oh, stick. well i guess a question on equipment you know there's a lot of sales going on right now with avi gear what um like give some of your don't buy this gear recommendations because there's a lot of bad avalanche gear out there okay well the let's see don't uh oh, I, I can get a start, three beacon antenna i can yeah all right well i can start off with the probes don't yeah. don't buy these like from the schema world the race stuff race equipment is not that's not the gear you want to be using yeah. i made the mistake of trying to take my carbon probe out for like practice drills and stuff and it didn't take long for that thing to develop a nice crack and split carbon fiber splinters are pretty awesome too yeah yeah we've had we all carry carbon fiber probes now, but early on um, from aggressive probing without the middle of the probe being supported, you can you can do some damage with those and or you can break them. And I think I think if you get a little nick in the carbon fiber or whatever that those fibers yeah. can separate. I'm, but yeah, I'm talking the full carbon race probes. Yeah, these. Are, yeah. So we've, we're, we're using the full full on like thicker, burlier probes and, and those are good. and. Um, I think now's a good time to inspect all the, that stuff before you put it away. So the little wire um, that collects it all, you want to make sure that those are intact and strands aren't breaking. You want to make sure that the uh, the thing is fully dry. Um, most of those manufacturers seem to be good about not putting um, different metals in there to where you'd get um, dissimilar metals corrosion. But you want to certainly check that fully, thoroughly dry all that gear before you put it away. Same with your shovel. Um, if you want to use some sort of silicone spray or something to make snow not stick, might be a good thing to do before you put it away as well. Um, the big thing is your, your batteries out of your beacon. Um, you know, a lot of these beacons um, too, they take lithium batteries now. And when you put those lithium batteries in, um, the beacon will ask you, you know, are these new lithium batteries? And you really, well, they'll ask you, are they new batteries or are they the same batteries that you had in there? So my recommendation would be just recycle those batteries when they come out of your beacon. Even if you've got like 70 or 80% battery life, just put those in your headlamp or, or set them aside. Don't try and let them go back into your, into your beacon um, for next season. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, batteries. <laughs> like, why, why yeah. even, why even risk it or bother? Yeah, it's not worth it. They're they're cheap, and um, 
while we're on that the beacon subject you know consider the age of your beacon and 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 how well your beacon has served you and uh you know general guidelines are after 10 years they're they should be replaced and um that's that's our replacement cycle generally you know gosh if you compare it to other technology uh, can you imagine trying to keep a cell phone for 10 years like there's probably only a few people that still have a flip phone from 2010 so you know treat yourself get yourself a, a new beacon if you had haven't in over in 10 years or, or more um, and then the main thing is practice with it you know get together with your buddies this might be a um, good time to sort out some of those two burial scenarios maybe or do a deep burial scenario um, I know it's yeah I don't know what the analogy is but well on the beacon thing is there a place to donate old beacons that can yes. be, like people can use for educational purposes um, we we don't take them but there is um, there is an outfit that um, delivers those beacons to the Himalayas and um, poor people poor places in India for their rescue teams to use um, yeah think about the morality of it you know there is good evidence that you know anecdotal at least that these um, beacons do last longer than 10 years um, I, you'd have to google that outfit or maybe we can we can put it in the notes if we can put in the it. notes yeah um, yeah but that that's a good thing to do with that and uh, yeah so um, yeah beacons and uh your other ppe you know just um i guess those are the big ones but your airbag pack um the way we store our airbag packs is kind of the guidance that um is generally recommended after a kind of protracted research uh, um on the way new bot modern batteries work is you don't want to try and sh um, store them fully charged they are better off being stored around 70 percent um, you don't want them to deplete entirely but you also don't don't think you you need to try and keep them fully charged um, that that goes for any of these batteries lithium ion or whatever kind of uh, batteries are, are um are app are being used now um and obviously you should follow your manufacturer's guidelines some of the other technology may be different um, and I would guess that the, if you have an old school airbag pack with the, the little 22 round that charges, that fires that thing off, having used a ram set driver enough, I know that those little 22 charges go bad over time. So I would look into that and make sure because we've certainly seen in the war, in the avalanche safety world, seen plenty of, um, deployment failures on those avalanche airbag packs so think about uh, maintenance on those suckers as well excellent that's good good stuff people can all take some action items away from this and uh, you know I think when you start when you put away your gear it feels real and you don't even second guess the decision making it's just done with so um, we're not opening up here. You guys aren't opening up here anytime soon. So I don't know. No. People have this false sense of hope that come May, we'll be driving up the auto road doing some slack country or something, but yeah, it's not, a, not looking like that. It's going to be a different world then, I think. 
I think in two or three weeks, this closure order is going to seem like um, um, totally unnecessary as this whole thing settles in and the unfortunate, uh, the inevitable arrives here. Um, we're a little bit behind the curve, um, at least from what I'm hearing, four to six weeks. So yeah, it's going to get much worse before it gets better. So rally around your friends and family and if you can't connect physically at least um you know think about supporting each other through whatever means you can and physically distance yourselves but we're not distancing ourselves from our society um so good luck and stay safe thanks frank yeah i know appreciate you uh getting the message out here and we'll we'll continue this on i'm not sure when the next one will be but we'll do and we'll do another you know, people are yeah. looking for content and we're looking to get uh, more information out there. So yeah, story time. Maybe we can do some, some, uh, some, some avalanche rescue stories. Those are always fun. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely do something soon. It just probably won't be weekly. It's going to be nice for me to do a little decompress on some okay. things or just to <laughs> switch gears and other things. We got a, a shop to, yeah. to outfit, but anyways. Yeah. Well, thanks, Frank, and, and we'll chat again. And thanks for all the work that you guys and your team have been doing up here. Absolutely. Thanks, Andrew, and thanks for the support. And thanks, everybody out there, for, for their support and understanding as we uh, work through this.